okay, so why don't you, you, and you go with these other three first, the strange old woman and the tacky scarf barked, and then the rest can go afterward. Three of the boys began walking off with a gaggle of random teenage girls headed down the street in a foreign city. I bellowed out after them. Gentlemen, no. They froze at the familiar command. She doesn't give you directions. I do. Scarf Lady glared at me. And I glared right back. Hi, this is Brother Nicholas Romeo, and you're listening to the Friable Friar, limited series from the Franciscan Friars Conventual, focused on the critical Catholic question of vocational discernment. In this fifth episode, we look at our individual capacity to accomplish the good. The tour guide's surprise was bringing us to Versailles, where the Michigan group was finishing its breakfast before continuing with the scheduled tour of the famous hunting retreat. As first experiences in France go, stepping out of the van to see the opulence of the palace grounds was a memorable one. We shuffled across the cobblestoned plaza, stopping alongside one of the large gateposts situated at the entrance of the complex. There, we met for the first time the other school group that would be our traveling companion for the duration of the trip. It was a group of about the same size as our own, all of them girls. I noticed the dynamic. Then I noticed the boys noticing the dynamic, and I re-engaged my level red awareness. I stood quiet and focused while the guide introduced the two groups to one another, trying to get a quick sense of who these people were, and taking particular note of the other group leaders. The first of them, a younger woman with a cheerful countenance and equally cheerful wardrobe, immediately impressed me as warm and genuine. She projected good vibes. The other, not so much. Indifferent of countenance, she was darkly dressed. Her ensemble capped off with an oversized scarf. It would later reveal itself that she was perpetually scarved, a detail that absorbed much of my fascination over the ensuing days. I can't precisely identify what it was about this second group leader that led to my inner wariness, but I experienced a noisy intuition that she was bad news. Mere seconds after observing this, she called out to our group, What, you guys miss your flight? My ears twitched, and I looked around for an antique guillotine. Following the introductions, the guide informed us that we would need to break up into smaller contingents for the tour through Versailles. Before I had time to register what was happening, Scarves began barking her directions, physically pulling three of the boys by their shoulders and sending them off with three of the girls from her group. In that instant, I was officially done with Scarves McKenzie, and I called after the boys to stop. Addressing the boys as much as the tour guide, but still glaring at Scarves, I informed as to what would be transpiring. Uh, we're not going anywhere, and we're absolutely not separating until the rest of our group gets here and we know they're safe. End of discussion. From the boys, I found a collective smirk. From the guide, a a new level of understanding. From scarves, a mutual recognition of a fresh enemy. Figuring out the good that needs doing in any moment is the critical first step of loving. 
It's necessary, but insufficient. We next have to ask ourselves whether we're capable of willing that good into existence. What needs to be done is followed up by, can I do it? There is an infinite amount of good that needs willing, but at the end of the day, each of us is a finite human being. There is only so much good that we can accomplish, and simply put, we're just better at willing some goods more than others. Not acting towards some good, the achievement of which is beyond our natural capacities, is not indifference, it's basic self-awareness. My buddy might need someone to help cheer him up while he's in the hospital. I might recognize he needs that cheering up, but I love him enough to acknowledge I'm not the guy who cheers up people in hospitals. In addition to the classical Catholic sources of vocational discernment, then, are what we'll call the more human sources of good decision-making, the most important of which is a fundamental self-awareness. It sounds simple, but 11 years of teaching high school boys taught me that too many young people are woefully lacking in any sense of who they are. There are millions of Andy Bernards out there, amazingly lacking in self-awareness. Before I can work toward bringing about the good in the lives of others, I have to first know who I am and where lie my capability peaks and pitfalls. So let's take a quick look at the two centers for the cultivation of this essential self-awareness. The first center gathers the threads of a delicate tapestry of identity intricately interwoven. The head, the heart, and the gut. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you picking up? We need to be able to both identify and articulate our thoughts and feelings about an idea or experience. Just as important, we need to be able to tell the difference between a thought and a feeling. I was always amazed when a student began a remark in class with the words, well, I think, and then proceeded to tell me all about his feelings on a topic. What we think and how we feel are not the same thing, and the latter should be filtered through and subservient to the former, not the other way around. We also should foster an ability to identify our intuitions. What is our gut telling us about what's going on? In my own life, I found that when I listen to what I'm intuiting about a situation, I am seldom mistaken. It's that ineffable sense that told me scarfs was going to be a problem before I had had any demonstrable evidence of that. Collectively, coming to be familiar with our own thoughts, feelings, and instincts is what's known as a developed sense of interiority. We need to develop an interior life. That's not a task meant just for the monastery. It's meant for humanity. We need to take the time and effort necessary to form an interior life. This can be scary for lots of people, especially insofar as it demands we sit with our inner shadows and confront our own darkness. But if you're so afraid of the dark basement that you never go down there or quickly flee when you do, you'll always be afraid of it. If the first center is the world within us, the second is the external world. These are equally important sources of self-awareness. The main dimension of the outside world that helps us cultivate a sense of who we are is the existence of uh, other people. 
Yes, this is where counselors and spiritual directors come into play. These professionals are trained to listen to and really hear our stories and help us untangle the plot. But just as important, though I think frequently overlooked, are our everyday interactions with the general crowd of other people. How do people react to you? Do you even pay attention to that? Over the years, I've become aware that despite my minuscule physicality, my intensity of personality and blunt manner of communication, apparently, initially comes across as intimidating to other people. I used that awareness to my advantage when dealing with scarves. If one or two other people respond to you in a certain way, that could be coincidence or a fluke. But if almost everybody consistently over time and across settings exhibits the same reaction to you, that's something to which you should probably give your attention. But if you're gonna pay attention to it, you should steel yourself to deal with some hard truths. I remember vividly when one of the worst students I ever taught sat down with me to interview for a spot on the peer ministry team. I don't think this is gonna work out, I told him. Why not, he asked, genuinely puzzled. You are aware that not a single one of your classmates takes you seriously, right? Like, dude, no one takes you seriously. It was hard for him to hear, but it changed him. Staying in touch with the world both within and without helps us maintain a healthy and necessary level of self-awareness. If it hasn't become apparent thus far, this is critical to our ability to love insofar as it helps us develop the virtue of humility. Genuine recognition of my own gifts and struggles allows me to see the same in others, which trains me to discern the good I am able to do for them. So in our quest to grow in holiness by growing in love, we've uncovered that first, we need to determine the good that needs to be done, and second, we need to know if it's a good we ourselves can do. But before any of this becomes really useful for vocational discernment, there's one more key question that needs to be asked and answered.